Welcome to Son of a Preacher Man with Jonathan Martin, a new podcast that's all about finding beauty and brokenness, grace and grit, God and the ambiguity of the in-between. In this episode, Jonathan interviews our good friend, Brittany Spencer. Brittany is a singer-songwriter and artist pursuing music in Nashville, Tennessee. Brittany is a part of the Common Hymnal family, and she sings and tours with United Pursuit. In this episode, we get to hear a special song from her called Whiskey Lows, and Brittany and Jonathan talk about the idea of being honest and vulnerable in spiritual music. Enjoy. Okay, Brittany, so however we actually start this with the podcast, I want to I want to begin with, because this is a good place to begin, the moment when we're by the fire at reunion and you're deliberating about whether or not to do your song and we talk about it. Let's start there. Oh gosh. Uh, I wasn't sure if I should do this song. Um, it's called Whiskey Lows. And uh, I never I never intended this song to be in Christian spaces, which is weird because I wrote it at a Christian songwriting retreat. But I never intended for this song to be in Christian spaces. And I remember I uh, I told you, I said, I don't know if I should do this song. And you said, we're on Johnny Cash's farm. And you wrote this song at Johnny Cash's house. You should do this song. I mean, you know, that's the spirit of all this. And I said, you know what? You're right. And even when I said that, I didn't actually believe it. Huh. But I just, I knew that it was true. I just didn't feel like it was true at the time. And I didn't feel like it was true, honestly, until... Uh, until I actually saw the video, mm. um, if that makes sense. I just, I've been uh, just so, I don't want to say steered off or just kind of turned off, but I've just been in Christian spaces thinking this isn't appropriate. Mm-hmm. And so when I finally got to that that place uh, at the campfire at reunion, um, I just thought this song won't fit here. And uh and it's weird. I shouldn't have even thought about that. I mean, my United Pursuit family, they love the song. They asked me to sing it on tour with them for a few mm-hmm. days when we did the Northeast leg of the Tell All My Friends tour. And everyone there was doing something kind of unorthodox, I guess, um, you know, camping out for three days. You mm-hmm. know, that's that's not really like the, the most Christian thing to do, at least in my experience. Like, that's <laughs> not the most Christian thing to do, you know. And so it shouldn't have even clicked in my mind that my song wouldn't be appropriate. But in my mind, it, it kind of wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so when you said to me, you know, you gave me all of these reasons why it was appropriate and I just believed you. Mm-hmm. And, and and I guess that's the biggest thing. I believed you. I listened to you. I heard you. And I felt so grateful in that moment to have someone in my corner to say, hey, do it. And I believed you and I trusted you. And I was like, you know what? I don't trust myself right now. I don't know if this song is mm-hmm. a good idea, but Jonathan says do it. And, and it wasn't like your name or anything like that. It was just because I gotten to know you and I knew if you said that it was okay, then maybe it actually kind of was okay. Mm-hmm. And so I did it. And uh, and it was interesting. I mean, people came up to me afterwards, like literally just like, I can't even count how many people came up to me after I did the song and said, hey, I've been dealing with substance abuse or my mom or my aunt or my family or my best friends. So many people walked up to me and said, hey, I have so many people in my life or, or, or me myself, I've been dealing with substance abuse or drug abuse or whatever. And I never meant for this song to be like a mm. spiritual song. I just... 
I just, I said Jesus, you know, but for the most part, mm. I was just really talking about just what it means to be in the thick of it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's, it's almost like when you're in the thick of it, at least I, I guess when you're dealing with substance abuse, sometimes it feels like you're in the thick of it, but it's like, also, I just so happen to be mm. a Christian. I just so happen to believe in God, but I'm just like everybody else who's in the thick of it. Yeah. And, um, and it, it meant so much to me to hear people just kind of come to me and tell me their stories. And, um, and, and it makes me feel, it makes me want to be more responsible as a songwriter in mm. the future. You know, when I say things about Jesus being there with us in the thick of it, you know, it's not just a nice song. It's not just a nice country song. Mm. It's a song that actually means something to people who are right in the middle of something really, really, really hard. And it makes mm-hmm. me want to be responsible, more responsible as a songwriter in the future. But um, that fire pit was, uh, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful moment. Well, it's interesting that when you actually sing the song, you can so hear, even listen to that recording now, the extent to which people are responding as it's happening. Because it's so real and... I think, you know, I remember one of the things I said to you at the time that I was thinking about, we, um, I really wasn't using this as a platitude. Like, I really do love Johnny Cash. And part of what I love about Cash, though, is that there's a certain mythology around Cash that, like, well, he kind of, you know, pushed the envelope and then he met June and he settled down. But if you really read, like, Johnny's life, that's really not true. He didn't settle down when he met June. There were still all kinds of, Mm -hmm. I'll put it mildly here, misadventures (laughs) <laughs> and getting addicted and relapsing and then coming off and on again. They haven't for so long. But I just remember when I heard your song for the first time, part of what was so powerful about Whiskey Lows to me was that um, the passion for Jesus was so real. Like the spiritual connection was so real. But I believed that the character in the song loved whiskey as much as they did Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and Absolutely. it doesn't work if those things aren't <laughs> equally true. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's, I don't know, it's a different kind of desperation. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's less about, I mean, because I deal with anxiety. I mm. deal, I mean, like most people, I'm not like special in that sense. I think a lot of people deal with anxiety and anxiety. <laughs> I don't know what word I just said. <laughs> but, um, I think a lot of us deal with things where we're like, God, I need you to come through. But when I wrote the song, I was kind of putting myself in the shoes of a person who was dealing with a very immediate need. Mm. And I mean, and and I've never, I've never dealt with substance abuse in the sense that I don't know how to stop wanting to get drunk. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to stop wanting to get high. I've never dealt with that in, in my life. And and so even even with me putting myself in in in, that, in those shoes, still not. It just still doesn't mm. compare to somebody who's actually been in it. But I think that, um, I think there's a, a there's a different kind of urgency that we put on God. Yeah. When we say, "I need you right now," because I love alcohol or I love this addiction as much as I love you or at least it feels that way right now like i can't do you know i'm not i've I've never i've never dealt with with uh with an addiction to drugs or alcohol but i will say i mean just talking from my experience and it is nowhere near just the comparison of drugs but i love food 
I've dealt with obesity most of my life, and it's nowhere near the just the the just what it takes to overcome drug abuse. But I think that people can kind of um, I don't know what it's like to say, God, I need you right now because I really am sad, and I really, 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 really think that food is the only thing that can get me through this mm. day. I've never actually called out to God for that, mm. and this song made me wonder, what if I did? Mm. Wow. What if I called out to God? Like, I was just telling D, D Wilson, who's sitting right here on the floor. <laughs> we love you, D. Love you, guys. You know, I was telling him that I think a month ago, I, I just realized that I think I was kind of depressed, actually. Mm. And I wonder, what if I called out to God the same way a person who has a very immediate um, immediate need for God? I mean, you know, I, it's just, it's challenging and it's hard. Mm. And sometimes we put drugs and we put alcohol, we put all these different things on the pedestal and we say, you know, you have a huge problem, but we won't look at the person who's obese and say, you have a huge problem. We won't look at the person who compares himself a whole bunch and say, Mm -hmm. you have a huge problem. And I'm not in any way saying it's it's easy to get over jealousy or obesity as it is to get over drugs and alcohol. But what I'm saying is, I think a lot of us are addicted to something. Sure. Sure. You know, and in this song, it just so happens to be a person who likes whiskey. And there's something in that hook, too, you know, like in the chorus of, Lord, I've been drinking, but Jesus is praying for me. Like that one line is, oh, it's so devastating. It's right here. Where did that come from for you? Like even the idea, like where did that, where, where did you draw from to even go there? Um, uh, Gosh, honestly... This is where I guess that wanting to be more responsible as a songwriter comes from. I honestly don't know. Hmm. Um, I know that my friends that were with me, who wrote the songs with me, Stefan and Shelly Hofsapien, um, they live in Atlanta and they were they were with me and we were writing the song and I just kind of blurted it out. And um, I don't know, I guess throughout my whole childhood I've heard Jesus is praying for us. Hmm. Jesus is praying for us. And I think that that to me is so powerful. Yeah. That the one we worship is praying for us. And yeah. I just, I'd always been wanting to write a song because I mean, I love country music and I love the idea. I love songs that talk about meeting Jesus in a bar. Mm-hmm. And I love the songs that talk about meeting Jesus in, in really weird circumstances. And so I just kind of combine them both and say, you know what? I want to write an old school country song mm-hmm. that talks about meeting Jesus in a bar. But I wanted to be in the middle of. I guess some kind of need where I'm not just wanting to talk to him about just any old thing. I want to talk to him because I got an urgency. I got a problem. Yeah. And, um, and that's where it just kind of came out. I just kind of blurted it out mm-hmm. and, uh, and it happened. And I, um, a few weeks after we wrote that song, I started thinking and, um, uh, my, my father about a year or two ago, he, he finally told me, about his family. He never talked to me about his family. My mom did a little bit, but my dad never really talked to me about his family. Um, my dad, I never met his biological mom. She passed away before I was born from complications due to drug and alcohol abuse. And um, all five of her siblings, they all died from drug and alcohol abuse. Wow. And both her parents died from drug and alcohol abuse. And uh, and my, gra- my great-grandmother, who was my father's grandmother, she actually died in his arms. She wow. bled out from her nose and her mouth due to drug and alcohol abuse. He was six years old when it happened. Good grief. Yeah. The I guess the silver not the silver lining, I don't wanna say it like that, but my my grand my great grandfather 
um, found the Lord. He kind of turned away from all the drugs and the alcohol. But he had done so much that, like, by the time he gave his life over to the Lord, he still died, like, 10 years later mm. because he had done so much damage to his body. Um, but he was the only one that found the Lord before they passed away in my dad's family. And um, and I remember just, like, maybe two weeks after we wrote that song, Whiskey Lows, I remember thinking, like, man, I wonder if, like, I wonder if his prayer sounded similar to this. Mm. I wonder if, yeah. like, when he gave his life over to Christ, what does that sound like? Yeah. You know, so, I mean, that song kind of came from just me imagining what was the case. And, and honestly, the response that I've gotten from that song, from people who've kind of dealt with that, it makes me want to be way more responsible. It makes me want to be mm. way more connected to people as a writer. Because I'm not mm-hmm. just writing stories that are just fantasy. I mean, right. that was a song that was kind of real for a lot of people. And mm. when they wanted to talk to me, it was almost like they expected me to have gone through things that they had gone through. And I say, I've gone through certain kinds of addictions, but not like you've gone through. And it made mm-hmm. me, it was the most humbling feeling. Mm. Like, I didn't internalize it as shame, but I definitely internalized it as, this is so humbling. I want to do better the next time around. Mm-hmm. I mean... We know real people who have real stuff and and uh, and they want real stories. Yeah. You know, God is not just for me. The same Jesus that meets me where I am can meet anybody where they are. And uh, I think I think that's um, kind of the underlining tone. At least I hope in this song is that God can meet us wherever we are. And I aspire to be like the person in that song that says, you know what. I'm right here, God. I need you to pray for me right where I am. Like, Mm. I wonder what would happen if I did that more in my life, Mm. way more often than I actually do. I want to be as real and as transparent. I feel like a lot of times we present ourselves to God in the way that we want to be. Mm -hmm. We present the person we want to be. We present the ideas we wish we had. We we present the, the mindset we wish we were actually in to God. And, and really, he's asking for us to come to him as we are because he's praying for us. Yeah. You know, not the person that we want to be or in the place where we wish we were in. He's actually meeting us where we are. And he's praying for the people that we are right now. Mm. And um, I hope to be as real as that. I'm trying every day, but yeah. I, I haven't figured it out completely. Yeah. Sometimes... Don't feel my highest It's like I reach up And find that I'm not the tallest Like my good just ain't good enough My honest ain't true enough And my world is a sad kind of blue I look to the heavens Something to pull me through Well, Lord, I've been drinking But Jesus is paying for me And I hear him calling Whenever I fall on my knees Well, I've had my share Sunday whiskey rolls, but 
he's filling my cup with the sweetest I'll ever know. Sometimes that whiskey don't stain. And sometimes that old bourbon makes me sing. I can't tell if I'm numb to the pain or if I'm going insane. But I'm losing my sense of time. So I called on Jesus because he is a friend of mine. Oh, Lord, I've been drinking, but Jesus is praying for me. Filling my cup with the sweetest I'll ever know. Well, I heard from a friend of a friend that you walk in water. And I heard that you try every tear and that your love is stronger than what's in my glass. What's in my past? You say hurting thoughts don't last. Well, Lord, I've been drinking, but Jesus is praying for me. It's just a different thing to call on Jesus, but to also like to legitimately love the taste of the whiskey. And that's, I remember what I thought the first time I heard it is this sounds like a, the character in this song is as fully convinced by the love of God and the sweet and, and kind of the sting of the whiskey both has been so compelling. I'm curious though, cause you gestured here, uh, in kind of a drive by way, what exactly is it that makes you connect with country music? Because obviously, culturally, mm-hmm. that's it's an interesting phenomenon. Like, what is it about country? Or even you, you called the song, and I do think it is in a very deep way, kind of an old school country song. What is it about mm-hmm. country music that speaks to you? Oh man, I mean, it's like any black person, honestly, that loves country music. I mean, you know, Ray Charles said it's the stories, and for me, it's the stories. Mm. It really is. I love storytelling. I love being able to. Um, 
I love being able to kind of dive deep into finding the stories um, to accompany the emotions, the emotions of people. Um, that's really special to me. Hmm. And and finding a hybrid between, because I mean, historically, I mean, I love black music. Don't get me wrong. I love black music. Hmm. Honestly, it's nothing in the world like it. But a lot of it is driven on emotion. Hmm. And it's nothing wrong with that. I absolutely think it's brilliant. I think black culture is the most brilliant thing that's probably ever been made. I absolutely identify with it. Absolutely. I just love the the, the the hybrid between emotion and telling the story behind it. How did you get there? Mm. You know, what's the story behind what you feel? What happened? What was the thing that kind of triggered that? I love that so much. And so for me, country music, I mean, I kind of identify as um, more so country soul because mm. I want to tell the story, but I want you to feel what I'm saying, too. Yeah. I don't want you to just have to hear the story and decide how you feel about it. I want you to know how I feel about it too. Yeah, that's important to me. And so, hmm. um, I guess that's that's how I, I landed there. I mean, I fell in love with country music as a teenager. I loved Dixie Chicks. Really yes. interesting. <laughs> I fell in love with Dixie Chicks, and I fell in love with Shania Twain, and uh, and and I fell in love with, with Gretchen Wilson too. Wow. Yeah, I know. It it was so it was so weird. I was like 15 years old singing like Redneck Woman. I didn't know what it meant. But everyone else in Walmart did. And so I was running around Walmart with my sister and we were singing that song and everyone was looking at us and and I'm like, "What do they want?" Like <laughs> And they knew something I didn't. And and yeah. and I had no idea what that meant and and honestly, to this day I won't even I won't even use the the term because I don't want to offend anybody, but that was my song. I mean, I fell in love with Dixie Chicks. I fell in love with them so wow. so much. It was something about them. It felt like church to me. Mm. You know, it just it felt like it felt like church to me. It did. It felt. I saw the similarities, and I guess it kind of explains. Um, it explains my worldview. I'm mm. quick to find the similarities. I notice the differences. I absolutely am aware of the nuances, but. I'm quick to try and figure out what makes us the same. Hmm. It feels like more of a building point yeah. um, than all the differences that we have. I feel I feel like if we can find the similarities, we can try and work things out a little easily. Yeah. But we got to find something that we understand together. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's another way to build. Mm-hmm. There has to be something that we find that says, you know what? We both understand this. You know, yeah. let's let's figure everything else out. But for right now, we understand this together. Yeah. And and maybe I'm making it sound way more simple than it actually is. Um, but that's just kind of how I've lived my life, even coming from Baltimore, Maryland, yeah. to Nashville, Tennessee. It's like, okay, what do we have in similar? What do we have in common? What can we, how can we build? Mm. I don't know any, any successful thing where people have built off of their differences. Right. You know, and I think differences are important. I absolutely sure. believe that differences are to be explored and celebrated in many ways. But also it's like finding I, I approach people and I approach situations in life wanting to know how can I find a little piece of myself in this person? Mm. Like I'm desperate to find that. Like yeah. how can I look at this person that has a completely different background from me, might even be from a different state or country than me? How can I find a little piece of myself in them? Mm. Yeah. But to me, that translates as empathy. Yeah. Maybe there's a different way, or maybe there's even a better way. But for me, what I found so far, 
That's empathy. Hmm. And what produced that kind of empathy in you? Where that where does that come from? Um, I think the root of uh, I think the root of a lot of it um, is exposure. Um, I grew up in a very diverse background. I didn't. To me, people being afraid of Muslims even is is kind of I don't want to say foreign, but it's it's interesting to me. I grew up with Muslims. I grew up with Black Muslims from the Nation of Islam. I grew up with people walking in hijabs, and when I first met um, Muslims. The first thing I thought was, oh, they're dressed differently. And I thought about me as a church girl. My mom couldn't wear lipstick, couldn't go to the movies, couldn't wear uh, pants. Couldn't They had a different dress code, you know? Even me, I couldn't wear pants to church when I was a kid. I didn't wear pants to church until I was an adult. Wow. And so when I look at Muslims and I think, oh, you have a dress code. I'm like, oh, we had this dress code too, you know? It didn't make yeah. sense to me. But that's my experience. And, and, and your experience is different, of course. But... You have a certain dress code. I have a certain dress code. And quite honestly, it's just, I found a little bit of myself. And, and at a very young age, a lot of of, uh, of how I see the world started with me being exposed to people who weren't like me. And I think uh, a lot of times that's, it's kind of the downfall for a lot of people who um, who see the world in a very narrow-minded kind of way. You know, only I think maybe 35% of Americans have passports. But we have so many opinions about yeah, how the world should go, right. and we've not seen it. How do you have an opinion about how the world should operate and how it should run when you've not seen it? That's right. weird to me, you know. And so, um, I think the root of empathy is finding some finding a part of yourself in somebody else that might not be like you, might not have the same background as you. I mean, it's it makes all the difference. If we're always looking for, if we're always looking for the evil in people, we'll never find. A little bit of ourselves in them. Hmm. Wow, that's a great statement. It's a great statement. Um, do you? How can I say this? The part of what I love about the song so much is I do feel like it feels it comes from such a guttural place and from an honest place where people aren't always intuitively able to go to prayer. I don't know. Like, what would you say to people for whom? that really struggle to take those things about their lives that are most difficult and most complex and turn it into a kind of prayer. Because the song is a kind of prayer in and of itself. Like, I don't know, what, is that, what does that look like? Take those things that just feel awkward and uncomfortable, maybe unspiritual, and, and, and bring them to light in that way. What, like, what does it take to do that? Uh, I think it takes knowing that God already knows. Mm. Anything we ever have to bring to him, he already knows. All the things that we think are secrets, he's already aware of. Um, And then the other part of that is that he won't change his mind about you. Mm. I think a lot of times we're scared to bring things to God because we think, I haven't seen him in a while. What if he thinks differently about me? You know, it's been all this time since I've talked to him and I've never brought anything this big to him. You know, what if he thinks differently about me? What if he thinks that I'm not worthy? What if he thinks that I'm anything less than his child? And the reality is that honestly, he, you know, I kind of think about God like that best friend. You know, I'm getting mm-hmm. older now, so I can kind of talk about like my friendships when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, I kind of think about him as that best friend. Where if it's been a while, you guys pick up right where you left. Yeah. And so I think that if we think about him, 
I mean, I absolutely believe he's God Almighty, he's King of Kings. I absolutely believe that. I also believe that he, there's a very humanistic side of God, which is why he sent Jesus. He wanted to identify with us. He wanted to understand what it's like to be us. And he has an understanding. So nothing that we do or say is a surprise to him. Mm. And I think that if we recognize that he really does see the best in us and that he can meet us where we are and that he does he does it so well and that he doesn't change his mind about us no matter what we do you know he can't he can't stop loving us there's nothing that i can do that can make me anything less than his child that's right you Mm -hmm. know i think that if we approach him knowing i don't Mm -hmm. think i'm worthy but for some reason whatever reason you still think that i am I don't think I'm your child. I don't feel like your child mm-hmm. all the time. I don't feel like I'm anything proud. I mean, I don't feel like I'm always something to be proud of, but for whatever reason, yeah. you still do, you know. And so, I, mean, I don't know how to say it. Just, hi. Hi, yeah. Jesus. You know, right, I'm right. here. You mm-hmm. know, I'm I'm here. Here's what's going on in my life. Yeah. Here's what's happening. I want to know you. I want to get to know you. I want to do better. I want to... I want you to meet me where I am. I have so much I need to say, and I know there's so much more than I need to be, but here's who I am right now. That's right. I feel like if we present that to him, I think that's, I think that's what he wants. Yeah. You know, I'm not a theologian. I'm I'm, I'm absolutely not a theologian, but I absolutely think that coming to him as we are beats not coming to him at all because we feel like we're not worthy. Yeah. Well, it sure seems to me that to come to God vulnerable in a bar or wherever you might be is infinitely better than mm-hmm. coming to God in a religious space and not being honest. You know, that, that like wherever yeah. you're the most vulnerable is where you're closest to God. Because I yep. think like that kind of honest emotion really is kind of a direct pathway to spirit. Mm-hmm. But there are reasons we have to bury to kind of bury all that because the moment we get that honest is to pull on painful things inside of us that, you know, do speak of our need for God in some Mm -hmm. way. Mm. I think that, um, I I absolutely believe that, um, coming to God in a very religious and very, very matter of fact kind of way, or very, um, I don't want to say arrogant, but just in a very, a very religious way that says I know it all or I right. know this to be true you know mm. I think it kind of undermines the genius of God yeah you know there's always more room to grow there's always more things to know there's there's always something that the Holy Spirit can do to take us by surprise yeah um, I think even with all of our theology I think even with all of our genius even with all of our experience with God I think the root of all of it comes back to we can come to God humbly. We can mm. come to him boldly. We can come to the throne of grace. You know, we can all yeah. come to the throne of grace. And, and the same the same God that meets me with all of my intellect is the same God that can meet somebody who has mm. little of it or doesn't know all the things that we know. You know, he's the same God that can meet everybody everywhere. Yeah. And so I think that it's important to understand that uh, he's God of everything. Right. And he can meet anybody where they are. He can meet us when we're feeling the most confident about ourselves. And he's mm-hmm. the God that can meet us when we're at our lowest of lows and we feel like we have nothing to say. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think that, I think we forget that sometimes. Sure. You know, as much as we grow spiritually, um, as much as we learn, 
I think that um, sometimes we remember that we, I, I think sometimes we forget we have to go back to basics. Mm, yeah. Which can be a really hard thing because sometimes we feel like we're we're above certain things. Yeah. We think we're above reproach. We think we are above um, the ABCs of mm-hmm. Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if God is. Yeah. I don't have all the answers. I just, I don't know. I don't know if God is it's above all the things that we say is milk and not mm. meat. Mm. You know, I just, I don't, I don't know. And there's so many things I'm learning. I don't know everything. I'm yeah. just, there's so many things that I'm learning and I hope I'm not coming off as too trivial or too oh. as, as too, uh, too, I don't know, not mature enough in my faith. But of all these years that I've spent, I mean, I've been a Christian my entire life. I grew up apostolic. Mm. Um, or Pentecostal, as many people call it. I've, I've grown up in, in that in that um, tradition and in that theology and that mindset. And, and honestly, it all comes back to Jesus loves you. Mm. And he can meet you where you are. Yeah. And he can grow you from where you are too. Yeah. That's so good. And that there's always more. Mm. Yeah, it kind of feels like the deeper you go into your own need, the more the closer you get in terms of pathway with Jesus, which is counterintuitive mm-hmm. because then we all think we kind of need to clean up first. But it almost feels like the the more in touch you mm-hmm. you are with your own soul's deepest wants and mm-hmm. needs and despair, that's the pathway to Jesus. Like that's how you get there. Absolutely, <laughs> it's, it's precisely through that kind of honesty. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I've kind of told myself that any route that doesn't um, begin with humility. It doesn't begin with a longing for for whatever God wants to do. It's not the route for me. Yeah. It's just not the route for me. And and, and like I said, I can't I can't even express this enough. I'm not a theologian. <laughs> I'm an artist. And, and and no matter how far I've gone in my faith, it, it always goes back to it always goes back to the basics for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know how else to explain it. You know it goes back there. Yeah. Yeah. It goes back mm, that's a million so times over in all my years of living. It always goes back to the basics. And of course, there's always room to grow, but it goes right back there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it is, I think what it goes back to is a much more intuitive kind of primal kind of knowing it's not head. It's, it's in the heart. It's in the gut. It's like, mm-hmm. a, it's, a, it's the deepest level of knowing where we encounter God in those places, you know, because that's, that's part of what I love about the song so much. I feel like it kind of, when I hear it even now, it kind of passes cerebral stuff and just gets right here, kind of into my gut whenever mm-hmm. I hear it. So good. Well, thank you for writing it and thank you for sharing it with us. It's an extraordinary song. And I just, and as you know, you're one of my favorite singers and songwriters. And I feel like there's such a, <laughs> but there's such a gift on you to bring sacred and secular together in that way. You know, the way that, that, because I do think there's nothing, oddly enough, our pain is such a pathway to openness to yeah. God's presence. Which, well, you know, what's weird about worship music, I think in general, is that worship can kind of be so like, let's dress it up and make things better than what they really are and, and talk God talk. <laughs> but I think even in terms of what we've yeah. got within the canon of Scripture, that's not really how it works. It's like the deeper you go into your own pain and your own suffering, that's what takes you... In, in a more immediate, urgent way in the presence of God, or so it seems to me. Uh, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I write with Christian writers, and I love them so, so much. I really do. Um, but 
I feel, and I'm trying to be very careful with the way I, with the way I say this, is um, I feel like a lot of times, like you said, with Christian music, we dress it up and, um, and we find really, really great ways to say how we should feel. Yeah. You know, instead of saying I'm very doubtful, we say, you know, I have faith. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, I'm really not okay, we say... God is strong Mm -hmm. and all those things is true. But I think a part, a huge part of worship music sometimes means denying our humanity. Yeah. And I think it's important that we remember that humanity is important to God because of one, he made us humans and and then he dressed himself up as one. Right. You know, he became a human. And so I think it's important that we not forget the things that we experience and the things that we feel and the things that we, we go through in life is, it's, it's not counterproductive to the plan of God. Right. I think our humanity and the things that we experience is important hmm. to our, even our spiritual experience. Yeah. So it becomes, uh, it becomes challenging. And so, I mean, there's not a huge space. I mean, even particularly in the industry, there's not a huge space for the, the, the intersection between the secular and the sacred yeah. Like I said, I never really kind of wrote this song. I know it sounds weird. I didn't write this song to be a spiritual song, even mm-hmm. though I wrote it at a spirit, uh, a, a Christian songwriting camp, uh, retreat or camp. I uh, I didn't intend for this song to be that. I kind of expected it to be a song that was like a throwaway song at the camp. And I could kind of be like, oh, cool. I'll run with this myself. You know, I love country music. You know, and so I, uh, I didn't expect it to be... Um, this impactful i didn't expect people to kind of take this as like like a a a, a, a an important part of their spiritual experience mm-hmm. um but i think a lot of times um in christian music we forget that people are still people yeah i don't know how to, to express that and i'm showing sure your podcast you have all kinds of wonderful just Spirit-led people and and theologians and pastors and preachers and and, and songwriters, of course. But right now, I get to be the, I get to be the whiskey person. Yes, so I'm going yes. to talk about. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about how important it is for us to express our humanity yeah. through a spiritual experience and and how God meets us where we are. And doubt is is normal for 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 the human experience. Is is normal. Right. Is it you know doubt pain. Uh, unbelief, all these different things that we we kind of shame. If someone says they have doubt, we tell them right away. Nope, turn that into faith. Right, right. Yeah. You know, and I absolutely believe that. I also believe that there's a, a reason that someone yes, has doubt. It yes. lets me know that you still care. It lets me know that you're still human. It lets me know that you're still invested in your process. Yeah. And I think sometimes we forget that. And um, mm. you know, when someone doesn't care anymore, that's the time to really be concerned. Right. You know, when someone checks out and when they don't have faith and they don't have doubt, you know, it's, yeah, that's right. especially when we're talking in the context of people who have certain addictions, you know, I have family members where I've watched them be suicidal. Mm. I've watched them have all kinds of different addictions and I've watched them check out and I remember longing for the time where they had doubt and where they had faith and or, or or the time where they were just so down and out I, I remember longing for the time where they weren't numb anymore yeah and so the fact that you have doubt or the fact that you still care lets me know that there's still some life and i think that's so important i mean even just in the context of this song 
I just remember, I remember watching people being at the brinks of life and thinking they're really ready to check out. They didn't have anything else to say. They didn't have anything else to feel, believe. They were just ready to go. And in that context, I just remember thinking, man, I remember what the, I remember the time you used to talk about your doubt and thinking that you never come out of this. And now you're not talking about it anymore. Now you just, you're just numb to it all. So now I don't, I don't doubt shame people. Now I don't shame people for feeling like something's terribly wrong or that they don't know if they'll come out of this. I just, I don't do that anymore. Thank what, you. um, I'll make this last question for now, Brittany. Like, what would you say to people for whom, like, are kind of in that kind of guttural place but don't know how to... Because it sure seems to me, like, at this point in my life that the the what, the pathway to God is actually going deeper into your humanity, not around it. But for mm-hmm. people, like, you struggle to do that. Yeah. What does it look like to just to kind of move that way from wherever you are? Um, well, I have a friend who... Um, who says the word fragility more than I probably would have hoped mm. to hear in my lifetime. Um, but he mentions it and he mentions the importance of, uh, of being fragile and, and leaning into your fragility and your brokenness and your pain and, and all the things that you think are so flawed about your life or yourself. Um, I would say that there is importance and there is significance and um and leaning into that because you might find something greater you Mm. might find god yeah you might find god Mm. or you might find the words to finally say that it'll change your life around Mm. and maybe it won't be lord i've been drinking but jesus is praying for me but it might be something else but i would just um i would just encourage anybody to just do what the church has said we do, you know, so many times over and over, you know, come as you are. I would implore people to actually do that. Yeah. It might not be in church. I've met people who didn't meet people who didn't meet God in church. I've met people who met God at a bar in their bedroom. And that's the the brilliance and the genius and and the beauty of the spirit of God is that it can really meet you anywhere. That's right. And, uh, When you get the strength and when you get the carriage and when you get when you get to the point in your life where you can call out to him and when you can ask for him to meet you where you are mm. do it without hesitation because I can guarantee you he will it might not be in the way you expect it but he'll meet you yeah. because no matter what you do there's nothing you can do that'll change his mind about you that's right that's right well, thank you for the gift of your extraordinary song and our friendship in this time. And I'm excited about the ways that I think it'll break other people open into that same kind of honest, raw space, which I think is really is the only place where we really can encounter the spirit. It's kind of at the end of ourselves and that kind of openness. So mm-hmm. it's such a gift to all of us. Thank you for that. And thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I so really good. appreciate it. Oh, so good to have you. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Like an LP, each episode is divided into side A and side B. Side A could be a sermon, a conversation with a guest, but will always introduce some idea. Side B will always be a creative exploration of that idea through music, question answering with listeners, or quirky rabbit trails off of side A. 
for people who want the deep cuts, not just the singles. No matter who you are or where you come from, we hope this podcast will be a resource in helping you come to know the love that calls you by your true name. For more, go to jonathanmartinwords.com and sign up for our email list. Have a good day.